This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 116, about The Defenders, season 1, episode 4, Royal Dragon. Welcome back to Defenders TV Podcast, fellow Defenders. We're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 4 of The Defenders, Royal Dragon. We've got names of episodes now. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, names of episodes. <laughs> it's quite nice to have them. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Great to be back for this episode. I'm one of your other hosts, John. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. And ready at the group, I'm Chris. We're all in the same room for the first time recording an episode of The Defenders. I know, it's exciting. I know. Quite cool, isn't it? Two and a half years, all leading to this point. Uh huh. I'm not even sitting beside you. I'm on a couch. <laughs> Hi, Chris. I'm Hi. waving. He's on the other side of the room, waving. I'm Hi. really lazy today. I'm like just sprawled out on a couch. The guys are sitting at the desk. I'm like, yeah. That's quite cool. That's quite cool. It works. It works well. Well, welcome back. Really good to be uh, be back talking about this episode. We obviously have gone through a, our first week after the Defenders' release, as this episode's being released on Friday, the 25th of August. Got some great feedback, obviously, from uh, from our listeners who've been watching the episodes uh, over the uh, over the full weekend. But I was right in my in my estimate that everybody pretty much finished these eight episodes within the first weekend. That's not how we cover our episodes, fellow defenders. If you're joining us, the way we cover them is one episode at a time. We watch the episode, we record our podcast about it, and then we go on and chat chat about that individual episode without spoiling anything ahead. So. Don't worry, you're in safe hands. If you haven't been one of the ones that have had the opportunity to binge watch the full series, we're okay. We're not going to spoil anything going ahead. Yes, if you've listened before uh, to our coverage of any of the other Defenders uh, individual series, then of course you'll be aware, and this is certainly for new listeners hopping on board, uh, myself and Chris are controlled by our uh, episode-watching overlord, Derek, so that we don't skip ahead. I don't skip ahead either, just to clarify. I also don't watch the future episodes. But I think it's around time to get into the episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Go through our link at defenderstvpodcast.com slash iTunes, or just search for us on any good or hand-supporting podcast catcher by searching Defenders TV Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you can get the episodes as they're released for the rest of the season. And if you want to hear your own voice on the podcast, then of course you can leave uh, any thoughts or discussions on the Defenders through our voicemail, which is on our website at defenderstvpodcast.com. Just click on the right-hand side tab and you can record up to 90 seconds. And of course, come on over and join us on our Facebook group where, of course, uh, the chit-chat has uh, gone exponentially. I would say feedback could actually almost be an entirely standalone episode uh, at this stage I'd love uh, that. so it's a great to see uh, so many people commenting uh, on on the defender series so far uh, but of course yeah come on over and join us uh, on our facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash defenders tv podcast and of course, if you want to email us feedback, you can send us your feedback at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Of course, because who wants to do the old style of writing when you can just put it on social? But if you do, if you are one of those people who like email, please send us one. And just a quick reminder, obviously, if you are sending us email feedback, please, in the subject line, um, just tell us which episode uh, you want to send feedback on. 
or if it's just about the whole series in general. So, are ever watching Derek, who does man the inbox, doesn't get spoiled by just clicking in and seeing some of your feedback. Thank you, Chris. I look out for you. <laughs> but on to our foursome, who get it together here. They really do. Um, this is almost a bit like a, a stage play, uh, to an extent, all in a lovely lit uh, Chinese restaurant, the Royal Dragon, uh, Neon being its name. Uh, really cool uh, how it reflects as well the, the colour motifs of all of the individual defenders. Do we want to get the episode details? Derek, who directed and wrote this episode uh, yes again this episode is written by Marco Ramirez and Douglas Petrie um, Doug and, Mar- and Marco are the showrunners for this show we've mentioned them obviously on all the previous episodes but really cool seeing that four episodes in at least one of them has been involved in each of the episodes it's quite a quite a change for the Netflix series you usually have a writer's room where it's moving around and there's kind of a, a guiding showrunner behind the scenes but not normally given a writing credit for every episode so um, you can definitely tell this is their show and they've been given uh, given free reign to run it it's quite cool and directing the episode is Phil Abram coming back uh, after his excellent episode of Luke Cage, uh, the, the penultimate episode he did, Soliloquy of Chaos. I can never <laughs> pronounce that first time. Soliloquy. That's it. Soliloquy of Chaos. He also directed four episodes of Daredevil, two episodes in each season. He did uh, Dogs to a Gunfight and Bang in season two of Daredevil. And he did Cut Man and Into the Ring in, uh, in season one of Daredevil. So uh, got a good amount of experience with these defenders. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis? Sure. From boardroom table to banqueting table, Jessica, Danny, Luke and Matt hide out in the Royal Dragon after their battle at Midland Circle Financial. Matt, trying to escape his life as the devil of Hell's Kitchen, is distrustful of the new allies. Jessica talks him into revealing his identity to the others. Danny proposes that to take down the hand they should all work together, but the others turn down the offer. Chase leader Stick tracks the group to their location and reveals that New York will be lost if they don't band together. Jessica calls herself out as she just wants to solve her case. As the case gets weirder, however, she pays a visit to the architect's wife and finds that she's under the hand's observation. Meanwhile, Alexandra persuades the final leader of the hand, Murakami, to her cause. She tracks the defenders to their shitty excuse for a hideout and crashes the party, bringing the black sky to a standoff with the new team. As they face off against each other, Jessica crashes the party as only Jessica knows how. So guys, the biggest reveal in this whole episode, we've been saying the chase wrong. (laughs) for about two and a half years now that's true that's true i remember on one of our solo episodes chris uh, myself and you were talking about um how they were how they were uh pronouncing it uh, whether it was right or wrong uh we had it whether it was the cast or the chase this is probably back in in daredevil season one i think it was with the reveal of stone i think as one of the members of the chase um so quite interesting that uh i can't remember which one of us got it right and which was wrong but but i would say we've probably been pronouncing it alternate ways all the way through these seasons so far i'm staying with cast i'm just putting that out there american english is not english it's oxford english people gentlemen (laughs) we speak the queen's language john get in here with me on this (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) Um, (laughs) well it's a good job that uh we weren't calling it the chase uh because otherwise uh we would be referring to a tv3 game show that is on there with obviously uh, big quiz show. So, yeah. It's the chase. It's the chase. Yes. The chase. Yes. And um, not the cast. Or cast. The band. From <laughs> Liverpool. 
So, yeah, the chaste, we've got it down as the chaste. And, of course, as well, RIP off-screen, it seems that even though we've got a small glimpse of stone, he's been nobbled by the hand. He's completely been taken out off-screen. Mm-hmm. Um, as we do hear from Stick that, uh, yeah... They've all been wiped out. I am yes. Last. I, I do think that is one of my favorite scenes in this episode where Iron Fist, who struggled with his position as the Iron Fist, Danny Rand, um, is realizing that the Chaser are effectively his army. And then he says, oh, they're the ones that, that will help me in this fight. And, uh, and is told by Stick, well, they're all dead, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Danny. Uh, but obviously this is our spoiler-filled podcast. I hope we haven't ruined anything for you by talking about that. Before we said spoiler-filled, uh, you should know by now that we're, we're talking in-depth about this episode. But the way we do it is by choosing our top five points from the episode and talking around all of our major moments that have within the show. Some good, some bad. And um, hopefully we'll cover off all of those points. And we may have a few notes to throw in towards the end. Uh, but let's kick off with obviously the start of the episode the chinese banquet is it shrimp or pork gentlemen it's both john do you want to take this point yeah and um, we basically see here the the four defenders individually gradually kind of getting to know uh, one another really as they lay low from from the hand after the the boardroom uh, punch up and fight there um yeah i like i thought this was really good as i just said before i this is almost kind of like a, um, you could almost have it as a stage play, you know, mm-hmm. with the exception of, um, of a few scenes with Jessica Jones and obviously with Alexandra. It really is just taking place in, um, the Royal Dragon Chinese restaurant. And I think it's, uh, really cool. Um, I, I love the, the colors that come from the neon lights and how they reflect at different times uh, in some of the shots that are taken here um whether it is a stick and, and mat up against the window talking about Electra briefly whether in the red corner where, yeah where they've bathed, where they're bathed in red or even were you know in say Luke and Jessica speaking to one another and the the shot is on Jessica and you've got the purpley blue behind her and the yellow behind Luke and so on like it's a really uh, great bit of um shot setup and, and of course just um production design as well yeah absolutely i just have this image that they were walking down the street going past all of the other restaurants going nope there's no red light bulb in that one there's no yellow light bulb in that one so we can't go into that one uh, it seems really really specific each of the four areas in the in the room as they're sitting around the table seem to have the right color right behind each of the characters so it's like as if danny went to well i'll sit over here where there's kind of a green background behind me it's really cool though i do love it not how many how many moments. and of course we have danny in order to because i think the the owner of the of the restaurant is just closing up but in order that they can stay on in there hunkering down um waiting for the hand to kind of go by or whatever and um, that he he buys six months worth of rent and then of course about what, four, of everything. four of everything yeah so uh really cool although i do suspect by the time they are finished with the chinese dragon danny rand might probably need to uh pay a bit more than six months rent i think so but answer me this guys it really is a shitty hideout <laughs> it's a terrible i'm like <laughs> there's windows people can see in uh-huh. i'm like um yeah they're probably where was the warehouse the alleyway Kind of just running into a random apartment that doesn't have windows yeah. or a big neon sign. 
<laughs> yeah, it really is um, a bit a pretty shitty hideout. I do love the little gag at the start when they walk in and uh, they close the door behind them, and the guys, the owners, asking why they're there, and they go, uh, "We just need the place for a while. Tell everybody you're closed." And he's like. I am closed. <laughs> I just kicked out my customers. Nice little gag. And then Jessica gets to use her powers to push a huge trunk up in front of the door and block uh, block the doorway. Uh, but yes, there's quite a big open window right yeah. in the front of the place, which I mean, comes in useful towards the end of the episode, of course. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, I think the thing I love here is that, you know, we finally get to see them um, talking to one another. You know, they've been fighting with one another um, in uh, Midland Financial. But here we really get a sense of the individual characters and and really um, what they're about and, and how they bounce off one another. You know, do they play well with friends? Um, I think, you know, Matt is really suspicious of the others. He's, you know, he's he's got his identity issues as well as, you know, as it progresses is kind of really... Um, concerned about the people who he cares about he knows how the hand operates he's been along with danny one of the few defenders that's had any kind of contact with the hand before yeah um you've got danny who's just like excited that everyone is there and he wants to give them food he wants to share the food he wants to get to know everyone and ultimately is is kind of the one suggesting um, that maybe they work together to to um, get at the hand. Jessica just does not want to be there. I mean, she is just like, I am so over this. Uh, you guys are complete weirdos. Um, you know, and I just love that about her. I love how that really plays to her personality. And the th- the interesting thing with Luke is that he kind of doesn't want to be there because, he, like Jessica, he can sympathize with her that she's just wanting to do her case and he was just following a lead for the specific kind of case that he was looking at as well. But Luke is kind of... Um, He's intrigued. He's kind of, he wants to know more. He's, uh, he, he really wants to know more, but he doesn't trust Matt, um, at all. Like, I think the fact that he wears a mask is not open. He has some kind of reservations about that just because Luke is absolutely open about who he is and what he does in, in Harlem. So it's a really cool, um, it's a cool coming together, I think. Yeah. There were some nice jokes in this scene, <laughs> yeah. the beginning of this scene. There was some nice throughout it. And I suppose what really kind of gets interesting is the dynamic that they do set up uh, within the first, what, th- three minutes of the episode? Mm-hmm. Is that these guys do not are not a team. As uh, Luke says in the trailer, I'm not looking for super friends. <laughs> um and I think that's something that we get to see in this, which is through necessity that these guys do need to kind of slowly thaw and become friends to a degree. Actually, that kind of leads me in the dark. Do you have one thing you want to talk about just at the intro of this? Because I wanted to jump on to the thawing, but... If you want to talk about the intro. Yeah, I, I really liked the fact that Jessica and Luke get a moment together because they didn't really get one um, before they bumped into each other in the hallway uh, in the last episode. And to have the moment together where they're able to kind of refresh where they are now in their own situations. Obviously, um, Luke Cage was in the Jessica Jones first season uh, and he has she hasn't seen what he's gone through. So having uh, him say to her, well, I've been to prison and I'm back out now was quite cool to see that moment between the two of them. Um, and Luke asks Jessica, how are you doing? And she goes, I'm OK right now. You know, basically, I'm kind of I'm the right side of the ground. Um, that's that's about as good as as she could say. You know, uh, but nice little moment between them. And I also love that Jessica is the one that um, that 
that kind of talks Matt into um, revealing himself to the rest of them. That she's kind of going, well, I'm not that smart and I've already worked out that you're Daredevil. Those other two guys over there are very close to Matt. <laughs> you kind of need to do it or else get out of here is kind of the thing. Yeah, a scarf or a mask really isn't a mask when you kind of come down to it. Yeah. A scarf with a mask with a bullet hole. <laughs> I, I like that he uh, he still knows how to tie that scarf around his head like he did in his first costume the the uh, the where he was just dressed in the black uh, outfit that's obviously how he got the uh, the way of tying that scarf around his head it's quite cool uh, Chris do you want to take point number two yeah things kind of thaw between the characters in, in this, this was this was what this episode was for me this was the coming together moment of or episode for them if you want to call it that whereas the the team becomes it becomes a team. You start seeing the 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 the, the origins of, for example, the the heroes for hire. Oh yes. Like you start to see Luke and Danny, the Paraman and Iron Fist, slowly become um, okay. We're not friends, but they they're getting there. They start to enjoy each other's company. Can I say cutest moment of the uh, of the first four episodes is definitely in this in this moment here with uh, with Danny uh, sharing food with Luke. Uh, where they're having that conversation and Danny's kind of going, uh, sorry, Luke's going, how can you still be hungry? And Danny says, well, it takes me a lot of food to to, to uh, reju- rejuvenate my chi. And Luke gives him a bit of a laugh and then they share the food and Danny gives him the last bit of food and then gets a little smile on his face when Luke takes it. It's just a proper cute moment where they've realized that they can become friends. Their love is by sharing a dumpling. Luke has coffee. Danny says, do you want a dumpling? <laughs> Wow, I do not think Luke knew what he's getting into. No, I think that's a very different situation. I love the heroes for hire sharing uh, a dumpling. That's a great great scene, great moment. And then kind of the second part of this is, I suppose, Danny wanting to form this team. And to do that, he must break down the barriers. Sound like a a psychologist here. In order to become the team, you must (laughs) break the barriers down between each of you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I thought this was great. This was the, the revealing moment. And again, we got the sarcastic... You you get to see who each of them are. You get the energy, the 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 eagerness from Danny. Uh-huh. You get Matt's grumbling, kind of stoic, I don't want to be here. You get Luke, who's like, I'm here for Harlem, that's it. I'm not here to make friends. And then, of course, the beautiful Miss Jones... And her sarcastic, no. <laughs> yeah, to, you just literally, no, I'm not sharing, no, don't want to, no. But we have uh, Danny talking about um, the hand and so on, and Jessica just goes, they call themselves the hand? What are they really called? Like, <laughs> And, you know, are you on lithium is another thing. But It's just like um, he's talking about himself as the sworn protector of Kun Lun and the immortal Iron Fist. And I'm absolutely sure Jessica thinks that she's probably had a lot to drink at this stage, <laughs> even though she's not been on any whiskey uh, whatsoever. Like, I really... Uh, it's it's really good how um as well going round Danny goes we've got the bulletproof uh man the blind ninja and looking at Jessica whatever you are and she just goes classy Aye. you know <laughs> she's she's so good at bringing sort of just great sarcasm and wit to to this this foursome absolutely and you can really understand her point like she she makes the point i'm the first to admit when i'm out of my depth and this is way over my threshold um like she is a character who's 
been an investigator for her entire season. She's not someone that wants to go up against in a war or a battle for New York. This is not the type of thing that she would be involved in. Um, she doesn't normally go after even groups of, of bad guys. It generally has always been one-on-one or a few maybe people fighting against her uh, in the past. So this is a very much out of her comfort zone, uh, as we can see from, from the episode. So that's effectively why she walks. She goes, I'm just going to go off and solve my case. Uh, that's it. One thing I I agree with you on that is this is the standout performances by each of these actors coming their characters to like the I can say like they they've done thirteen episodes or in Daredevil's case twenty six mm-hmm. they got the the insight if you will of what makes these characters tick and for me this like Kristen Ritter's classy line. Just the delivery of it, just fantastic. And then we later on in the scene, which I don't want to get to too much, but we do get Luke, uh, Alexander talking to Luke, going, I don't think we've been formally adduced, and Luke turning around going, I, and I'd like to keep it that way. Uh-huh. Like These are the, char- the the actors really bringing their characters to life. And I think I'm just kind of crushing on Chris and Ritter more and more as it's, each episode goes along. Yeah, like she's. We will have beautiful babies, by the way. She's really good, and I, I think as well though, like with Daredevil, um, like he, he seems like the most grown up, and and to an extent, even Jessica is as well by understanding that really, yeah, she's out of her depth, as you said, Derek. Yeah. But like Daredevil here, you know, he's he knows the hand, he knows what they're about, and. Like, he's really trying to impress upon them that they don't have any clue. I mean, Danny has his youthful exuberance for going after them and his own motives. Um, But he sees that as part of his, I suppose, his life just because of being brought up in Kunlun and uh, having so much taken away from him by the hand. Whereas Daredevil has has this real personal connection with them uh, uh, just as much as Danny, maybe even more so that we've seen through the series. Um, And he's really trying to say, look, you don't know what you're getting into here. They are going to rip your loved ones from you. Um, And I mean, there's a bit of tension then that comes in between Danny and Daredevil over this point. You know, Danny really, even though it starts to thaw, it quickly moves back to being tense um, because Danny's saying they've taken most from me um, and, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, Daredevil does a, a kid throwdown on, on Danny, really saying, you know, if you if you act less like a kid, um, you would be able to sort of understand the magnitude of this. Yeah, because you got to remember, obviously, Matt has gone through a really traumatic moment in losing Electra to the hand as they killed her and, and she died in his arms. He doesn't call out to them that that's what happened. He doesn't call out to them that she's the one they've seen in uh, Midland Circle Financial um, in that fight. But that's where Matt is at the moment. He's just effectively seen the woman that died in his arms come back to life and try to kill him five minutes before meeting up with this group of people. So... So, yeah, of course, he's going to be a little bit on shifting sands at the moment with them. And for them to go, well, let's take the fight to them. He probably just wants to clear his head a bit and get his thoughts in order. And they're all kind of throwing things at him about, you know, we want to know who you are. We want to know your identity. Why aren't you Daredevil anymore? And he just kind of wants to step away from them. I like that about Matt. Yeah. And of course, I suppose this brings us on to our third point then, where, of course, it's even harder for him to to step away because... 
Stick shows up. Um, his previous mentor and trainer. Um, of all his skills and fighting abilities that he has. Yeah. Um, you know, with a great opening phrase, this is one shitty excuse for a hideout. Um, you know, it is dumb things like this that will get you caught by the hand as he smashes Danny's mobile phone. There's no errors or graces with Stick. It's really just straight down to business. Even the loss of a hand, he's still being an absolute dick uh, when he greets them. And it's just a great introduction because we really do get um, much more uh, about the hand's origin here. This was the moment of the episode for me over everything else we get the history of the hand and who they are what they are and this is a really interesting take on well okay so this is not the hand of the comic books and i'm fine with that this is not the chase of the comic books this is a lovely amalgamation creation for the this show and it's interesting we get the the origin well we don't see the origin we are told the origin of the five fingers of the hand Mm -hmm. they are members we would assume high members of kung lung they are um they kung lung was interested in using and channeling more and how do they put it healing healing but no it was like learning more control or of the chi to towards healing uh, and what we get that these guys, these five members, are no, we want to use this on ourselves to heal our bodies so that we can step towards immortality. Absolutely, yeah. And the, I think um, Stick calls them five heretics specifically. So, kind of showing that Stick is in full belief on the religious side of this thing. So, in the past, we've kind of seen uh, Stick talk about the chaste as being uh, up against the hand, but now we also see they are connected with Kunlun um, in this as well, that they are the protectors of Kunlun and do know about all of the teachings there. Uh, and when he goes back on the history, yeah, that it is. Uh, that these are heretics. These are people that don't believe what the other the other members in Kunlun do believe. Yeah, it's like Doctor Who, except it's the five heretical uh, masters um, from Doctor Who. They want to regenerate over and over again. Doctor Who may actually be one of the fingers of the hand. <laughs> oh my well, God. no, no, not Doctor Who. The well, master. The master. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that too. Yeah, that I mean, too. We, we did have the mistress. Was it mistress or madam? Missy. Missy. Yep. Yeah. I, I love the, this notion. Um, like, I'm rapidly potentially becoming um, a bit of a team hand here. Um, I, I'm really enjoying getting their story. Um, I suppose it's because we have had the Defender story with the the single series yeah and um, obviously now coming together which is awesome um, but I, i'm really intrigued by by the hand and, and its history and how it's interacted with conlon uh, and with uh the chaste and now bringing them head to head uh with the defenders um, and they're totally focused on the immortal iron fist here uh, they're looking for his chi and it's kind of an interesting thing i suppose that we link th- uh, in, into the uh, the next point that we have, which we'll come to in a moment, but um, yeah, this this is a great origin for the hand um, here. I think as well, we really have here uh, not only 
is it stick explaining the handbook jessica leaves this group she's you know she says i'm done with this tin hat shit um you know this war or whatever it is um she goes this is not my problem i just want the answers for my client yeah but then she goes to investigate her um her, for her client and suddenly starts seeing uh, in her own way she doesn't know it's the hand but she sees that on these transfer deeds that she's gotten uh, from the company records archive she sees that the signatures and this was a really cool moment actually where you see that all the signatures the first the first name is a name that begins with with the letter a angela Audrey, um, you know, all the same style of handwriting that Jessica quickly spots it. Uh, and these go back as far then as, as 1820. Um, and as this kind of progresses, the more whiskey she starts downing from the bottle of, um, of the Canadian whiskey that's still left there on her desk. I thought this was a really cool sort of separately. She starts to realize that there is something, um, odd and old and ancient going on here mm-hmm. in, in these documents but it's which just... which has been reflected by stick then um back at the royal dragon uh talking about the hand to luke danny and matt who've stayed behind so it, really cool yeah it really feels like jessica jessica jones is a character that doesn't like exposition being told to her she's an investigator she wants to find it out herself so it feels like even if she was hearing it from stick even hearing the stuff from Danny, she truly doesn't believe these things until she makes the discovery herself that the handwriting going back to 1820 is exactly the same. It's Alexandra's handwriting. She makes that discovery herself. And because it's such a weird discovery, she gets plastered on whiskey. I love the moment when she goes back to the uh, the architect's wife standing at the door and she says to her, are you drunk? And she goes, no. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a great little moment, but it's it's really coming from. It's not just that she wants to get drunk. It's not that she's not going out partying. It's that she's now discovered something or un- uncovered something for herself that is so beyond what she thought was possible and so beyond the things that she's accustomed to that she's just taking solace in the bottle as only Jessica can. Yeah, and the one thing I just want to put out there to any of our listeners, um, I couldn't find no. Marvel character references or of those names? None of them, no. The Angelas and the, I was thinking maybe like the Hellfire Club or like just the, maybe some there would be some connection to a name. Obviously, the Hellfire Club or Fox, and that's a whole other story. But you know what I mean. I was expecting there would be some kind of Easter egg. Like one, like, one of the names would be one of I don't know one of the leaders of Hydra or something. Yeah, yes, yeah. I, but there was nothing. I could find nothing. Exactly. So um, I, I don't know. I'm wondering if because the uh, the name begins with an A for even Alexandra now, and she's chosen so many ma- names, maybe she hasn't chosen one that's from the comics just yet, and maybe she reveals her real name later on in one of the future episodes, and that name is one from the comic books. But yeah, none of these names are, are from the comics. Yeah, so with all of this um, talk of the hand and the investigation from Jessica Jones, um, yeah, we are introduced to the fifth and final finger of the hand that is going to do something horrendous to this foursome. Do you um, think he's the middle finger? He could be. Um, Murakami. Um, oh my God, I love this scene um, where Alexandra comes to Murakami. It's so cool, um, isn't it? Okay, not particularly fond of him gutting um, <laughs> a bear after he's been tracking it, but the the 
the character here, I just love the the sense of his own confidence. Um, it almost feels as though Alexandra is deferring to a very different kind of relationship than she had with Madame Gao on the park bench. It almost feels as though he, of any of them, would be one that could challenge uh, Alexandra as the leader of the hand, which we get here that that is really confirmed. You know, when Alexandra is there, um, she, I think she says, I've never once come to you for advice, but at this moment in time, with, with the, the band of four that she's confronted uh, at that boardroom, that she's come to him to persuade him to get involved, to get his hands dirty, which he is prepared to do. And he makes a nice little point about her leadership that maybe one of the things about it um, that is slightly off for him is that she's never been willing to get her hands dirty and do the the rough and tumble of some of the things the hand need to do. So I really, yeah, I am really excited to see more of this character because he looks total badass. And I love how he's being played by the uh, actor Yutaka Takuchi. It's very quirky. It really reminds me of the Japanese films that I love. And I love that he's brought that element um, to the series. Um, it's the same with Madame Gao as well. I, the two of them, to me, seem to really fit uh, together. Uh, and as I say, I, the, there's there's something dangerous about Murakami, I, I think, here. And I think Alexandra also kind of knows that to an extent as well. And one of the things I really like here with Alexandra and Sigourney Weaver in this role, I love the moment that you mentioned earlier on, John, where she says to uh, Murakami, I have never once asked for your advice uh, all, all of these many years, and then goes, I'm here to ask for you to come with me. So in other words, even now, I'm not asking for your advice so you can just keep it to yourself. It's what it sounds like from Alexandra. It's still very much, while, while you say he may be a challenger to her as leader, she's still the leader. She will still put him in, her, in, in his place and she will still tell him that the hand are now forming in New York and we need you there. I don't want your opinion about this. So I really like that, that moment. There's still a lot of strength in Alexandra here, even though he may be a very strong other member of the hand. He's still just another member and she is the leader, which I really like. What I want to talk about is the actual hands, the mm -hmm. fingers of the hand. So let's start up here. We've got Alexandra. The, she is the main finger. She yes. is the dominant yeah. finger. She is the leader. She's the middle finger. Yes. So we already know where Madame Gao is. So we, 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 she is another member of this uh, finger of the hand. Yeah. She also left Kung Lung with them, so we've now got her backstory to a degree. It's very short. Could she should be the little finger of the hand. She can be the case. I think so. She can be yeah. the little finger. And kind of on a on a Game of Thrones type as well, a little finger. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. She's awesome. Better I won't do. hear a bad word said about Madame Gao. No, no bad we are here. crossing uh, like timelines and streams and continuity here. Uh -huh. uh, do you think Game of Thrones is, is actually in is HBO available in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? In the Netflix Cinematic Universe? Maybe. Okay. It will be soon, I'm sure. It'll get bought by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we have this the latest edition that we've just been introduced to. Mm -hmm. Murakami. Uh, Murakami. He is, I'm assuming, very direct. The pointing finger. He hides... No, actually, maybe he wouldn't be the pointing finger. He may be the thumb. He's slightly... He usually sends people to do his work for him. 
Maybe he gives the maybe he gives the approval, so he's the thumbs, thumbs up. up. <laughs> of the hand. No, he's the opposable thumb. He needs that, otherwise the hand is is useless. Very good. Um, you know, I love the fact that we find out here as well. I like how in being introduced to Murakami, I love how it goes back to the Royal Dragon, and you have Stick running through the members uh, of. The, the five fingers of the hand. I, I think that's a really neat little uh, way of, of switching the, the setting and, and getting the exposition. You could have had a trope where they were sitting around a darkened, in a darkened room around a table or it would have been like, like TV screens and they're slightly fuzzy. They couldn't quite... They're silhouetted. You've just described the, the board members of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> that, that was already used in the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. trope from S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm sorry. But we turned out S.H.I.E.L.D. was Hydra. It's fine. It, 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 it's an evil thing to be sitting around a table. There you go. There you go. But as you say, sorry about Mur- Murakami, um, just to make sure it's clear that he is the one that was co- controlling Nobu. So as, as you were mentioning, Chris, that he has to he hides in the shadows and had somebody else do his dirty work for him. Nobu was the one that was doing the dirty work for him. And we saw in, in season one and two of, of Daredevil. Right? Yeah. And, and Stick describes him as the most secretive, but that when he comes out, he's an evil piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I can't wait to see uh, from Murakami. Yeah, and yeah. the stalking of a bear for 10 days. Uh-huh, yeah. And the fighting, we were assuming bear-handed, most likely, a bear. And I'm like, this is going to get, this is going to be an interesting one. Then we have Suwambe. Mm-hmm. The, the white hat. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, affectionately hat. also known as the white hat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the African warlord. Um, again, this is an interesting thing. When we, As we told that when they are um, cast... Hey, see, uh, from Kung Lung, they they each spread to different corners of the world. Yeah. So we can now start to imagine that Alexandra went to Europe, uh, Madame Gao went to China, Morombe went to uh, probably Japan. Uh, what we got here now is uh, Sawambe went to became an African warlord. Yes. So yeah. we can see that this is where they all kind of yeah, disappeared and, to. And Bakuso was in South America. Yes, yeah. so that is the final finger of the hand. Um, we know, unfortunately, we know that he is alive um, from the trailers. Um, we've seen him in the trailers. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that, yes, even though Danny goes, well, I killed him. I'm like, well, did you? <laughs> did you? Did you, Danny? So I'm assuming this is the final member. We will probably introduce him in the next couple of like, episodes. He'll be brought back somehow. Maybe similar to Nobu. Scarred, brought back to life, not the same person he was 100% before. Um, so it would be interesting. But the fact that he is a finger of the hand, um, we know that these guys are quite tough, quite dangerous, yeah. and live for extremely long long, long time. Yeah. I, I love having all the five, uh, five hand members revealed. I know it's going to cross over into another point we have about Alexandra, but I think it's more important to talk about this one here. Alexandra has a conversation with Electra where she says uh, Electra has seen death and passed through much like her, um, which is a confirmation again that that we know as as we know now, Alexandra's gone through death and come back. But she says to Electra, "Don't forget who brought us back." So it seems like is that I don't know whether that's a reference to one of the other five members of the hand or whether there is somebody else above these five 
fingers of the hand. I'm assuming there will be some Dormammu level, like demon. And I'm looking to you, John, because I'm not sure what is it like. I was thinking that uh, myself that yeah. when she said that, I mean, that really does start to move it more towards. Um, the mystical side of things and you know so and i am not entirely sure i i need to just have a have a think and, and look back could there be an uh, an anti shao lao in the undying or like something like lao shao the dying <laughs> shao lao the party dragon yes yeah so, i mean the, I, the, he's the dragon that just he's not he's not undying he just consistently dies He's just like, the, he kills a room, he walks in, it's just like, the mood just dies. <laughs> it's probably the Night King from Game of Thrones is probably <laughs> back here. Um, but yeah, I, like, it, it certainly sounds more mystical. It, it could be anything from the Marvel's magical uh, and mystical world. And I mean, certainly with Kun Lun, uh, you know, you do have a potential... Uh, members of Kunlun, you know, that would have previously sort of been involved in the darker side of, of the mystical world. So could it could it be the Steel Serpent? It could be. Like they I mean, looking at how they're they're using the characters here, they're not afraid to take the name and use it in a different way. Mm. And maybe even do a hybrid of characters. So I mean it could be the Steel Serpent. The, there's also um Mother Crane as well, that could be involved in this in, in some oh, way. Yeah. And there could be Chi Lin, um, who tries to kill all the Iron Fists um, you know, when they reach a certain age um, in order to reclaim Shaolau's life force. And I think that's interesting in the context of um, Alexandra and Murakami's meeting where she says the resources of uh, the hand are becoming severely depleted. They're obviously after the Iron Fist. They want to take him alive. But is that ultimately to kill him by draining him of his chi? And that's the resource that she's talking about within that conversation, that they need more of the chi uh, uh, for it to be corrupted in order for them to regenerate. Because, um, you know, we hear from Stick in, in, in this episode that whilst the, the monks of Kunlun were trying to use the chi as a life force, that the five heretics wanted to use it for their own selfish purposes of pure personal regeneration. So it could be that the Chi Lin does take the life force out and maybe that's what the hand has and maybe that's who is the other person on the other side who brings um, Electra and Alexandra and anyone else who goes through that process back. So ultimately, there could be some kind of interweaving uh, of that within here because, you know, I think the great thing about this is that they've absolutely linked the hand to Kun Lun and that whole uh, world. Yeah. So, um, I mean, at the moment, that would be the kind of theory that I would have, definitely. I like it. I like it. So it could be the Shilin. Very cool. I wonder if the Shilin is behind that door um, that was down the hole that they're trying to get Iron Fist to break open. Maybe that's what's trapped behind there, potentially. Yeah, it could um, be. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's... Or it could just be a portal back to Kun Lun. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Let's see Let's see what happens in the future episodes. Um, I think that's it about the hand for, for the moment. Um, so we'll go on to our final point on point five which is 
Alexandra's meeting with the defenders. Quite a cool little moment here um, as she appears out of the darkness, just like Batman or Elektra. Absolutely. Can I just say as well, before before we talk about it actually in the Royal Dragon, is that moment where she's kind of getting uh, herself ready with her two helpers um, in order seemingly just to go for a, for a night out. And then she cuts it short and she falters with the, the pain in her side, um, you know, and, and obviously has to take the pills. Um, I really kind of like this, um, th- this weakness or this vulnerability that Alexandra shows, but only uh, in private uh, to herself. And I love the reflections of her in the mirrors, the standing mirror, uh, and then in the hand mirror, um, sort of in that kind of real whitened tone to the shots of her. I think it's really, really cool. And I suppose the main thing is because that is shown to be so private, is, uh, and, and it kind of comes back to uh, the point with uh, Murakami, is you know, do the others know that she actually is dying um, here? Because if they do, would that mean possibly that Murakami would challenge her to become the new leader. Yeah. Like it's really interesting um, here as well. And again, if the resource is depleted, and this is about them being able to regenerate, yeah. then um, you know the hand are quite vulnerable at this moment as well, despite the projection of, of strength. Well, it feels like she's taken the last spin of the dice on bringing back the Black Sky, um, which was her choice. There's a lot of criticism from Murakami saying... Oh, you're very powerful now with Black Sky standing at your side. Um, so it feels like this wasn't something that the rest of them would agree with because effectively, if they've gotten rid of all of the resources that have been bringing them all back to life every time they die and she's just used them all on somebody else to bring them back to life, well, that was her decision and that's something that obviously would go against what all of the rest of them want. So yeah, I can see a big challenge here to Alexandra, especially if they found out that she uh, she will be coming close to another end soon, potentially. Yeah. And what do they do then? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is this is all in the world of theory at the moment. We need to see how the other episodes progress. But it but back to Alexandra, you know, crashing the banquet. I I, I really thought this was cool. I I think Alexandra, um, I just love how she projects her power. And as she says herself, her determination onto the others. Like I, I was just there. She was walking around this this restaurant. Um, any of the the defenders, as well as Stick, could have tried something, and they didn't. But she's also very touchy uh, with with uh, Danny Rand. And you know, she she holds him by by the arms, sort of soothing. Like she's she's a real smooth uh, operator with regards to. Um, how she tries to persuade you to come along. And I, I love the bargaining that she does here where it's like, we we serve life itself. You get the immediate knockback from Luke, though, that just really undercuts her, her whole kind of presence that for someone who talks a lot about life, you sure kill a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, she is so classy. It's really, really cool. But she doesn't understand Danny at all. It's It's really like, you know, if you don't come with us, Danny, we'll destroy the city. If you do come with us, we won't, and we might leave these people alive. Like, Danny's a hero at the end of the day. He's met these people. He likes these people. Um, and she's effectively saying, if you come with us, we'll still probably kill the people that have become your friends. Like, that's not that's not going to be something that Danny will go along with at all. No, not at all. I can kind of see how this is going to play out 
um, in that. Well, you see, I agree with John, right? It's the power she emanates from just walking. Like, it's a presence. Yeah. And again, I'm trying to consider, I don't know anyone who could do this role without, like, Sigourney Weaver. Uh Uh-huh. Like, she is a a, a triple-A caliber uh, kind of actress, a resource. And she's been getting so many of these kind of great roles over the last couple of years, these villain roles, and she's so good at them. In the past, she'd always been like a sci-fi hero character uh, for many, many years, and everything from uh, from obviously Aliens to Avatar, everything in the A's. Um, <laughs> and now she's getting a lot of these villain roles in the, in the background and things like Captain in the Woods and in... Um, See? Now she's into the D's. See? <laughs> she's into the D's. Okay. Uh, and then, and then in, in other films like Paul and that kind of stuff, she's she's had a villainous role in some of these films. So um, it's great to see her as a villain in this series. She's a great actress, always has been, always been really strong in in the films that she's done over the course of the eighties and nineties uh, and all the way through. And now getting a, a chance to play a villain on this series, she's a standout for me in this series. Yeah, agreeing with both of you from both sides. I think what interested me here was. Why didn't they make a move? Like it's they, interesting, they, isn't it? it I was... I did think that that there's a moment like the the camera is really well handled here, but there's a moment where you kind of have Danny um, fuzzed out uh, in the foreground. Alexandra is speaking to him uh, in the middle, but behind it, fuzzed out and blurred out, it is stick. Yeah, and it's a really it's a great shot. Um, and he's not doing anything, and I'm there, kind of thinking, would he? Wouldn't he do that? You know what? And I kind of was thinking, surely he would try something as sort of a, a, a last gamble. But you know, we've seen her take down Electra, so we know she's got the moves as well. True. She just really is quite restrained with using them. But I'm sure that she would whip them out um, as soon as she was uh, under under threat and so maybe she can sense stick you know that they they know one another and so that was really cool but it just shows her confidence as to how she can maybe judge or assess the situation but definitely chris you know why none of them did because she even walks up to luke as well and kind of and obviously as you would check him up and down um really interesting kind of uh, scene, I think, from that point of view. Yeah, well, I think there's a reason. You, you don't take a chance on trying to kill someone if you don't know you're going to be able to kill them, especially somebody as powerful as Alexandra has proven to be. Um, so if there's a possibility that Stick could kill her and she kills Stick immediately and wipes him out, well, then he's gone. So maybe this wasn't the right opportunity uh, for him. Stick can read a situation better than most. So uh, maybe it wasn't the right opportunity for them to kill her. It's also a hugely interesting story. So um, if this had happened and, you know, I don't know, Luke punches her through a wall halfway through explaining uh, what their plan was, well, then he never really knows why he was there. You know, it's a, it's a good moment to resist killing someone if you can find out what the plan is for a couple more seconds. Um, maybe they wait too long and that's why Electra walking through the door surprises them all. Plus, uh, if Luke punch her through a wall and kill her, 
That's a pretty short defender season. It is, yes. yes. It's like four episodes, we're done. That's the end. Bye. Yeah. Let's all go separate ways. We definitely see as well protective Luke here against uh, against Alexandra for for Danny as well. Where you know Danny is almost, I think, contemplating it here because she's saying you can save a lot of people. Uh, you know, the last time the five fingers of the hand came together, stick. You know what happened. You know so this great culling um, and and. I think there is a sort of a moment there where Danny is considering this. Maybe. Um, but Luke just pulls him back from the edge there. Um, and that's when she realizes, okay, plan A has is gone. Yeah. And then it's in comes uh, Electra. She yeah. arrives. I, I think for me, I don't think Danny's contemplating it. I think Luke's just taking it off the table. He's kind of saying, it's not even your choice. We are not going to let you do it. Uh, Stick even says that. He's like, if you do this and I have the opportunity, I'll kill you myself. Yeah, um, that's you know, true. It's like, don't that's even think true. about it, Danny. It's it's off the table. This isn't going to happen regardless of what she tells you. Um, but yes, the arrival of Electra in her brand new crimson red outfit that she is covering up with a, uh, with a, a very long, very cool hooded coat. Everybody's got hoods in this in this show. Yeah, it's awesome. Black Widow. Uh, it's very cool. But yes, the the comic book, the Electra Assassin uh, outfit is. This is as close as we're ever really going to get it in in any of the TV shows. I, I presume in any of the character versions of Electra, and, and it's cool as hell. And it's the most comic accurate, like of all the. Pretty costumes. much, yeah. The only thing she's missing is the is the headscarf, uh, the the red headscarf. Really, it's cool as hell. Um, I'm presuming, yeah, it, it's not a very practical costume as most comic book. Uh, costumes are not practical in the real world so it did have to have a little bit of changes and i can totally understand on a dark night in new york why you wouldn't want to walk out in it even if you have your swords on, uh, by your side um so i I'm, I'm understand why she put on a coat over the top of it but it is cool as hell are you telling me skin tight lycra is not practical as a battle aid well none of the men wear it so i presume it's not practical at all yeah they mostly wear armor Hey, no, 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 no. If we think back to original Captain America, that was just like, that was cotton. Cotton blend. Polyester probably based. <laughs> yeah, but that was because he was on TV and he was going on tour. When he started fighting, he started putting on a helmet mm. and armor. Yeah. I think the preference for skin tight, um, revealing Ned Flanders-esque um, sort of ski jumpsuits has gradually faded from the Marvel Universe. Yes. I get your point, though. Um, and it's now more about that, you know, you have to stop bullets and maybe revealing outfits don't. Exactly. It's function over form. On yeah, this. definitely. And I, I'm, I, but I would have liked to see maybe, like, when she was training or... At some point, a comic accurate, like just not, I'm not talking the the leotard kind of with just the headband and everything else. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm talking maybe some form of robes that looks like that or something. I just thought that would have been cool, but I like this outfit. It is the MCU Netflix version of Daredevil's outfit for Elektra. Yeah, and I know we got a moment where she took out two of Suanda's hand. Our right hand men uh, when he came in to, to say why don't you just go out in the battlefield effectively uh, I know we got that moment but I know what you mean I'd love to see a training uh, a training montage or something with, with her uh, in the comic outfit because um, yeah she doesn't seem very happy wearing it outside no, uh, so all very, you need is a montage very montage cool. yeah. but we have then the, the moment where 
you know, we've had Alexandra crash the, the banquet, but Jessica literally does crash the banquet uh, with uh, a four-wheel drive, hitting Electra, um, and again, just the snappy one-liners, who missed me, and then we get that awesome, awesome goosebumpy scene that, that, that just um, is fantastic. I mean, mostly driven by the music, though, isn't yeah. it? Because as, I, I love how they do this. This is a really good technique. They use it in, in a lot of films and stuff like Avengers as well, where you bring together the themes of multiple characters. Uh, in this show, it's the main title themes, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. It's, it's so cool. But it's, it's those with the brass dropped out, effectively. And then as Jessica arrives and stands side by side with the boys saying, who missed me? They rise, and then you go to your credits. It's like a, it's like a big hero moment. It is, it is the Avengers moment, just inside in a Chinese restaurant rather than outside in the streets of New York. Or perhaps the, like the Avengers in Age of Ultron, jumping in the, the snow-covered mm. Sokovia. Yeah, um, it was that that lineup shot is always fantastic. Right. The bit I did like was that's the same jeep from the guy sitting outside the clients. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The guy is crumpled on the ground if you look very carefully. Like, she's thrown him and put him on the pavement and then kicked the car through the door. Yeah, very cool. Although I did notice the car had minimal damage considering it had just gone through a front uh, window. Well, it's just a window and a bit of wood, I'm assuming. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know they, they, don't, they don't build the buildings in... Uh, New York like they used to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I thought there would be a bit more damage. Remember, this is a four-wheel drive that's made to carry city moms and their one child to school every morning on the school run, you know. It has to be able to protect in case they run through, you know, a bank wall or, you know, anything like that just to keep them safe. Exactly. It's not an anti-tank four-wheel drive. <laughs> it could be. Go, go, well, go on the school run some morning. You'll see how still, to drive it as an anti-tank. Still, irrespective of this, this was the money shot. Um, yep. Them all lined up. Uh, you know, Matt with his fists, Danny with his chi, Jessica kind of just... They're ready, and, and Luke again with his fists as well. And Stick looking like Paul Weller. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was Paul Weller. <laughs> and a great en- ending to the episode as well. Speaking of which, any notes on the episode? Yes, I have two. John? Two points from the, the episode. I, I really enjoyed Electra looking into the the mirror at her wounds. I don't know whether she was just checking out her 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 former wounds that she had on her body, or by doing so she was contemplating her existence to some extent. She had this kind of um, look on her that suggested she was trying to just think more about where they were from or what she was about. There was something interesting in Electra's expression here before she she gets that pep talk from Alexandra. It's like, um, uh, you know... She's been talked about um, at, by by sticking this that you know she's a vessel and and this person is not Electra who you used to know when he's talking to Matt in, in the Chinese restaurant. But there's something here that is interesting about whether there is some form of memory coming back. Yeah, absolutely, and that's exactly what it is. She's trying to piece together her history. These are the wounds that killed her, I believe, from uh, from the hand in season two of Daredevil. These are the those are the marks that were left after that. After she was murdered by the uh, by the hand ninjas uh, in yep. season two, so the fact that she's looking at these and Alexandra is saying to her, "I wish I'd been able to give you a fresh body and take away all of your previous wounds," 
these wounds are very specific. They're the ones that caused her death. So um, it's like, I don't know, it's like looking when you've when you've had your head reattached. It's like looking at those marks around your neck or something. You know, it's almost like that. How um, many people do you know that's th- happened to? Only me. Uh, okay. You mean like Frankenstein? Yeah. Yeah, the stitch. The stitch work. I didn't see any bolts coming out of it. Not yet. And what's your other note, John? Um, And the other one, it's it's just a visual thing, actually. Um, Charlie Cox um, and what he's doing with Matt Murdock and the expressions he gets on his face, um, I think, is incredible. I think the moment where Electra walks into the Royal Dragon uh, and you see his... It's like he's straining to to get a read on on who's just come in and yeah. trying to just really confirm that is this is Electra or isn't it? And just the way he does that is great. But I think the best part about that whole moment was that he gets interrupted as, as Alexandra walks past him. You see her in the background walking past and his expression changes again as he acknowledges her presence as she walks from behind him and past him. Um, and that is, to me, like, top quality um, acting. Uh, it really is, because the change that he did is, like, suddenly he's interrupted and he's looking round, and, and then he fixes on uh, Alexandra walking past. I thought that was phenomenal little um, scene, and I, yeah, I just had to call that out, no, because no, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, Definitely. Well, at the end of the notes, I think it's time to see if we defend this episode. Don't think it's going to be a huge surprise, to be honest. Uh, Chris, do you defend the fourth episode of The Defenders, Royal Dragon? No. John, do you defend? Yes, of course I do. This is a culmination. I've been saying this every episode, and I can't kind of get into it anymore in that this is culmination of five series this is everything that we wanted and we're getting those money shots as john calls them like the the standard like superhero standing like facing the other direction right off screen and you're just looking at the the left hand side of their face or right hand side of the face excuse me um it's fantastic and this is what we wanted the jessica going off and deciding that she has to come back like Luke's quippy piece to Alexandra Stick's performance and Stick I should say Stick's soliloquy in who the hand are answering questions we've had since Madame Gao turned up it's like ooh is she mother Kate not mother Kate all these questions um, and then just the overall like doesn't feel rushed it doesn't feel um too slow mm-hmm. like the pacing is correct the the overall time of the episodes is correct um which is strange because that's 50 minutes in comparison to some of the other 59 hour long, hour 101 kind of uh, that we were getting with some of the other series yeah um it's tight it is a really tightly produced well written show and this fourth episode we're halfway through the season all i want to do is binge and get to the next episode uh but since our overlord makes sure that we record our episodes correctly um i must be here 
So I'm going to shut up now and ask <laughs> John, do you defend this episode of The Defenders? I do defend this episode of The Defenders. I'm giving this four and a half shirred Chinese dumplings out of five. Oh, uh, I think so. seeing The Defenders together in this single place, almost like a stage play, sort of fighting out their own personalities, listening to one another, and then finally coming together um, against Alexandra and Electra in the Royal Dragon. It is really, really cool. And I think um, that final shot uh, is worth absolutely everything with the music, uh, them standing together uh, to fight um, is just phenomenal uh, for me. It's everything I hoped would happen, that they would get some kind of shot and situation like that. Um, And, you know, with it being the Marvel Netflix TV and not the cinematic universe, um, it was great that it was in the Royal Dragon. It's, you know, it was it was epic, yes the right side of Epic to feel street level. So I I really, really thought that was cool. Um, And to have the fifth finger with Murakami and some background on the hand uh, from Stick as well uh, was really, really cool. Getting a bit more information uh, from them. We've still got to see um, what's down that hole, that gateway uh, made by the monks of Kunlun and I can't wait till uh, we see that but really um, great getting a rundown of of Gao, Bakuto, Sawande uh, and Murakami and of course having stick back which just really you know he throws his stick in here um, as well um, you know disrupts Matt Murdock I, I love that sort of reconnection uh, and real tense relationship that Stick and Matt have as well. So yeah, absolutely defend this episode. It really is getting very good, this series, and I can't wait for episode five. So, Derek, our overlord, do you defend this episode of The Defenders? I absolutely loved this episode of Defenders. Yeah, this is exactly, again, I kind of said it before, this is exactly the type of series I was looking for. But you put these four characters in a room, give them an opportunity to breathe and talk with each other while eating dinner around a table. You know, it, it's a great a great scene. So well shot as well. Um, the the moving camera all the way around, focusing on each of the characters as they're speaking with, with their own coloured light in the background to define their kind of own zone or their own specific area I thought was a cool idea uh, I love the interaction between Luke and Jessica at the start Jessica and Matt finally getting Danny and Luke on the right side and uh, in the right place was just so cool really really enjoyed it it almost felt I know we've said stage play but it almost felt like uh, Reservoir Dogs to me this kind of idea Definitely. of them being trapped in a room together all very powerful people in their own right and all wanting to escape from each other but kind of being bound together in there uh, very very cool really really enjoyed it so totally defend it and I will say this is the last of our preview episodes that we got from Netflix so a huge thank you to Netflix for those once again uh, we'll be able to get on and watch the uh, the next episode on Netflix so I haven't been that bad as a, an no, overlord. you haven't. Not at all. <laughs> you're, you're a gentle paternal overlord. Like um, but speaking of Quentin Tarantino as well, Stick um, has a really interesting thing that he says about Sawande, actually, uh, where he talks about he can slow your heart uh, until it stops. 
and we were wondering whether this was like um, the five-point palm exploding heart that you see in Kill Bill, uh, and whether Sawande has uh, got that move up his sleeve. So, yeah, interesting. Like a real mystical kind of power, yeah. It could be kind yeah. of cool to see that, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was probably my third note. But I think with that, it's on to some feedback. Lots of love for episode four of The Defenders, where all of our regular defenders get to meet up and get together. Uh, first up, we got Ronaldo with a couple of voicemails. Hi, guys. Just wanted to talk about episode four, um, the prologue just before the opening credits. Um, I just loved how the four of them, as they rush into the restaurant, um, are still very wary of each other. Uh, in particular, uh, they seem to be wary of Daredevil because he's got the mask on. Um, but I loved the fact that uh, Matt had this sense of relief of knowing that someone else was handling the hand as well. So uh, when Danny says that he's been fighting the hand, um, immediately, I guess that lone wolf mentality from Daredevil uh, is gone because he's kind of like, well, okay, there's someone else um, that's dealing with him too. Uh, I loved also the interaction between Jessica and Luke, um, seeing them talk to each other after such a, uh, a long time apart, uh, but also Jessica and Matt as well. And I loved how she kind of convinced him to unmask himself. Um, anyway, just it's just the opening scene, but uh, really, really entertaining stuff. So I'm going to go and watch the rest of it. Thanks, guys. Really interesting point about uh, about Matt kind of dropping his guard a bit when he realizes that, uh, that Iron Fist is also a, a member of the fight against the hand. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, think this is a really um, good scene. You know, it, it really gets you to see uh, all the the defenders sort of bouncing off one another, sort of the the people that they gel to, and also then, like as you say, Ronaldo, uh, the way they're kind of worry or maybe slightly distrustful of, of other members. And yeah, absolutely, uh, Daredevil is the one that that stands out there just because he is the one that's masked. Um, he has Jessica's scarf over his head. Um, yeah, really great little stage play. I think I said this in the podcast um, or of them all in, in one room together, uh, having to work through all the, the crap that they're having to deal with, um, both from the hand, but also between themselves. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed this concept for the show. Definitely. Yeah. And another one from Ronaldo about episode four as well. Hi guys, uh, just some notes about episode 4 after watching it again. I reckon a fantastic episode, uh, I think it was pretty much owned by Kristen Ritter. Uh, Jessica Jones was just great in it. I wasn't expecting her to um, be that uh, effective uh, in the show, but she really does steal a lot of the uh, the limelight. Uh, also liked um, Matt uh, Matt's tortured kind of perspective on things and how he and Stick have a secret um, by knowing Electra. Uh, also the reveal of the history and all the five members of the hand now was pretty um, pretty good to see. Um, and finally the confrontation with Alexandra at the end uh, was quite chilling actually. So uh, even when she approaches Luke you're kind of scared for Luke as well. So that's kind of how powerful a, um, a performance Sigourney Weaver is putting in. Uh, overall a really cool uh, episode um, and maybe just some quick notes at the end yeah thank you Ronaldo yeah um, I absolutely loved um, this episode for uh, having the hand backstory as well as um, 
every one of the defenders coming together. It was, you know, the two sides of the same coin almost. Um, it, it's almost like Harvey Dent in, in that sense with regards <laughs> to the defenders, um, the, the good and the evil. But I mean, I think what makes it even more interesting is that, you know, Alexandra, she's cool, she's calm, she's calculated, but she packs a huge threatening punch really, um, by her just, normalcy uh, her normalness that she has really here um and i think that is a, a really cool cool way of doing it definitely absolutely uh, final voicemail from ronaldo about episode four so just some quick footnotes to episode four um number one uh, murakami's bear moon bear I actually thought that was a little weird. The bear, to me, looked a little small. But uh, I did some wiki research, and there's apparently some history with moon bears and the Japanese. Um, so I guess that's where the tie lies. Uh, also, Stick mentions that uh, he's the last of the chase. But uh, I wonder what's happened to Stone. Um, we saw him in Episode 7 of Daredevil Season 1. So I'm not sure if he's still in the picture or not. Um, I liked Jessica Jones's quips when she fights that guy on the street, saying, um, am I the only one left that doesn't know karate? I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and definitely uh, the scene between Luke and Danny um, while Danny's eating uh, his dim sums uh, was pretty cool, and I loved how that, well, I love how that's developing. So pretty cool. And, and finally, yeah, just the big wool moment at the end when Jessica um, drives in, that got me cheering and, and gave me some chills as well. So all up, a fantastic episode. Catch you guys. Yeah, Jessica is an absolute standout in this episode. She's got Definitely. some great, great moments. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's really interesting about the moon bear. Well done for the research. Yeah, and uh, also I, I know that uh, just uh, having some of the chats over and off uh, Facebook that uh, one of our listeners is uh, mentioned that the gallbladder of this bear is certainly prized as well as its liver for sort of that traditional Asian medicine as well. So Very I cool. wonder if there's an element of that about it as much as um, Murakami enjoying the fight and near death experience that he seems to enjoy that kind of living on the edge, definitely. But yeah, this is a really, really cool episode. I completely agree with you, Ronaldo. Yeah. And thanks so much for the voicemail feedback. If you want to send us voicemail feedback, just go to our website at defenderstvpodcast.com. There's a send voicemail button on the right hand side of the screen where you can record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts. Or do what Ronaldo did and just send us in a couple of voicemails, uh, up to 90 seconds each. That's no problem at all. Really good to hear from you, Ronaldo. Yeah, thanks, Ronaldo. And speaking of our Facebook group, we have some Facebook feedback as well. As I said, lots of love for this episode. Yeah, Lisa Richardson says, Jessica and Luke still have so much chemistry. I also finally see the appeal of the Iron Fist Luke Cage team up. Good chemistry there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was really good to see Jessica and Luke uh, reconnect here. Uh, and as well to see Iron Fist and Luke Cage connect for the first time over that dumpling sharing. Uh, yeah, really good. Um, enjoying uh, that potential for a Heroes for Hire uh, team up there as well uh, come on netflix you know it's a great little spin-off that could be had here absolutely as i said the cutest moments so far in the series uh, michael booth says that scene outside was great i especially liked how their colors were opposite when jess was talking she was lit with a yellow light and luke was cast in blue uh, trying to decide if it was to keep the presence of the other person in a single focus shot or it's more symbolic than that yeah really interesting that the colors flipped we talked a lot about the colors in this
this episode and in some of the earlier yeah. episodes. Uh, quite cool that they switched it around when, when Jessica and, uh, and Luke were having their conversation outside. Yeah, Jeff Charles says, I'm amazed how character-driven this is. The writers really have a handle on everyone. And how can you end the episode there? What a cliffhanger. Yeah, this is uh, really shaping up to be fantastic from each four defenders uh, in terms of their story, their background, uh, and them coming together. I've been really impressed with how they've handled it uh, and certainly um, can't wait for episode five. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, David Wang says, I just realised that having Danny's first showdown with Electra being Cambodia is most likely a covert nod to Elodie Young's country of birth. Nice catch, David. That's very cool. That is very cool. Nice catch indeed, David. Yeah, love that. Salim Akizla says, putting a prediction on the board, Electra taking the size off the weapons rack will signify that she's remembered her identity. Yeah, they really are focusing in on uh, those weapons, the size, when Electra is in kind of her weapons chamber. Uh, And I'm just wondering, um, yeah, that must help her remember her previous identity uh, as Electra, and I wonder if there's going to be any uh, significance to those weapons uh, later on in, in the series. It'll be really interesting to see her uh, pick those up and use them. So uh, it'll be a question of who on earth is she going to use them on. Yeah, I totally understand, Celine. This seems like she's when she catches them in the corner of her eye, they really remind her of her past, which is quite cool. Nice little touch point there. Uh, Robert Phillips says, first up, congratulations to Five Fingers Chris on naming the evil. Nice. It probably like our, uh, our discussion of which one's the index finger and which one's the little finger in this episode as well, Robert. Uh, it goes on to say, more things for me about episode four. Opening with all four shades in the neon on the Royal Dragon sign. Nicely done. The other thing carried on, the sodium yellow streetlights, but a purplish cast on the faces of Luke and Jessica in the back alley, points of colour around the communal table and the stark black and white bathroom and taxidermy workshop with Alexandra. Particularly enjoyed the grounded rejection of all things mystical, despite owning superpowers and knowing the incident happened by Jessica Jones and Luke. The line, let me know when they fit you up for a costume, summarised that beautifully, but even the hard-boiled can be won over with cold, hard proof, it seems. Other thing I noticed, Electra's Trident short swords, the size, uh, may not have been an Easter egg, but more of a Chekhov's dagger, dropped into Act 1, but a vital prop in making Black Sky regain her chaste origin. And sorry, I really loved this episode. Could Stick have picked a worse approach to getting JJ on side than commanding her to sit down? So glad she just gave him the finger, attitudinally, and walked off. Yeah, Jessica Jones again, as you say, Robert, and Ronaldo pointed this out as well, such a big... Uh, influence in, in this episode almost mirroring i think to an extent maybe the audience of you know they don't want to be in that situation or you know members of, of the of the audience watching the series who would be like no i don't believe any of this stuff and um, like she really has it from so many different angles whether it's to do with the the mystical aspects and mm-hmm. um, whether it's to do with the the fairly disciplined sort of rule orientated um approach by stick and um, or, or whether it's just calling people out for a lot of bullshit you know <laughs> uh, really good thanks robert another one from david wang as well i absolutely love the conversation between alexandra and murakami how it implies their fluency in each other's languages but also their stances if standing their own ground by using their own language yeah that's a, i think that's a really good view of that conversation a, a really 
deep kind of insight into their own pride and, and, and confidence in themselves. Um, and I think it really emphasizes the strength of these characters. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really nice little view on that conversation. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, nice, nice catch as well, David. Claire Payne goes on, I really love Luke and Danny's conversation about how much food Danny eats. So funny. Also, a really great line from Jessica about being the only one who doesn't know karate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jessica's one-liners are really good now. I'm loving every one of them. I'm waiting each episode to hear what little cutback she has to one of the other members of the defenders i'm wondering whether she will slowly uh, warm and melt uh, to all three of them as well and yeah the the luke and danny conversation was really good obviously really funny uh, but also leading to the lovely dumpling sharing <laughs> absolutely do you know how much food it takes me to regenerate my chi i love it excellent <laughs> uh, finally tina brown says i loved danny's bewilderment that matt might be a blind lawyer daredevil and a member of the chase to talk about multitasking he could barely manage the tie <laughs> i love how proud he is that he's wearing the tie that's why he was going uh, for the business approach saying that uh, saying that look i even put on a tie yeah Brilliant. absolutely uh, thanks tina and thanks to everybody else for your feedback over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast. Uh, we have a spoiler post up for each of the episodes that we've watched so far and more spoiler posts will be going up as we release more episodes. And as we watch more episodes, uh, just pop in there and leave your thoughts on each of the episodes coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for all your feedback. It is really, really appreciated. Thank you. Um, remember to subscribe to Defenders TV Podcast over at iTunes. Just go to DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Please share the love and write a review whilst you're there. Subscribe and share and let us know what you think. And of course, any other good podcast catcher, uh, just search Defenders tv podcast and of course come on over as we said earlier in the podcast over to our facebook group join in the defenders community chat discuss share your art share your thoughts or anything about this first season of the defenders or any of your favorite defenders whether it be jessica matt luke or danny over on facebook um, at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash defenders tv podcast and of course we're on twitter as well can't leave off the old twitter and um, we're at defenders cast over on twitter so tweet away my dear tweeters absolutely we want to hear as much of your feedback as possible towards the rest of this series we're halfway through already uh, only four more episodes to go so make sure you send us some voicemails in over at DefendersTVPodcast.com you'll see a send voicemail button just click the button there and record 90 seconds of your feedback about any of the episodes that we've got left to go or any of the episodes we've already covered we'll talk about it on the podcast uh, or you can email us to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com and with that guys I think it's time that we get on with it because I want to see this epic ass showdown. Uh-huh. This yeah. is what it is. Um, before we leave, I just want to ask and thank all of our listeners who have shared, rated, reviewed, uh, as John said. But um, obviously, the defenders is fresh out, so please, if you enjoy the show, don't not just our podcast, but if you enjoy the defenders, tell your friends about them. Get the, the more viewers we get through Netflix, the obviously more. Um, the the more shows we will get uh, in this Marvel Cinematic Netflix universe. Absolutely. So please tell everyone, make sure you watch it, make sure you thumbs up it on Netflix as well. 
And while you're at it, might as well tell them about us too. Yep. And of course, before uh, you leave us to head on to our episode five review that we will be recording soon and of course there is the competition for a bunch of defenders related stuff just send in feedback uh, through any of the channels uh, to us and you will be in with a chance to win some of the defenders goodies uh, from the prize draw we will be out again with our fifth episode uh, review of uh, the defenders uh, next week so yeah as always thank you so much for listening and we will speak with you again next time thanks so much fellow defenders we'll talk to you next time yes thank you very much for listening and from all of us here in the defenders tv podcast ta-ta for now bye you think i'm holding back Well, okay, so this is not the hand of the comic books. And I'm fine with that. This is not the chast. <laughs> That's a mix of the chaste and cast for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, no. This is going to get confusing. This is not the cast. Uh, or the chaste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is Okay, I'm just going to call them cast, guys. I can't get it out of my head. Um <laughs>